0: Hey, good morning everyone, great to be with you today, fantastic, and uh, you will be blessed with a song at the end, Um, but um, I chose it, I didn't let (laughs) Pastor Dante, so you will be blessed. (laughs) (laughs) Marilyn and I celebrated 55 years, our wedding anniversary this week. They asked us at conference, what was the secret? I'm not sure, but uh, being half-deaf helps anyway. (laughs) We had a great conference, and uh, especially uh, this year, I think we had a lot of international guests uh, with us, and uh, Elam Global, we have broken the world up into uh, four different regions, and so as New Zealand, we uh, carry responsibility with the Asia-Pacific, and uh, so that's just been a, a real blessing to have some of the pastors over. and. Uh, we had dinner on Friday night with some from uh, India and Myanmar, uh, Philippines, and just had a great time, a lot of laughs. Um, yesterday they went up Sky Tower, and the Indian pastors were very excited uh, to be able to see Eden Park from Sky Tower. Eden Park, the home of cricket, not rugby, the home of cricket, and uh, so uh, they went and had their photos. They went down and had their photos taken outside the gate. So you know, anyway. Some people get excited over some things, don't they? I guess it's a Cricket's a national sport, isn't it? And so uh, that was good. If you're visiting Rotorua, uh, there's a beautiful Anglican church right on the edge of Lake Rotorua. And uh, there's an image of Jesus in a Murray cloak. And he's, if you sit on the right side of the church, it's um, uh, it's uh, St. Faith's Church in Little Marae there. And uh, if you sit on the right side of the church and look in the window, in the stained glass window, There's this picture of Jesus uh, walking on the water. It's very inspirational. uh, Whenever I have international visitors and I take them down to Rotorua, I always take them there. It's just a great uh, uh, little church there and very inspirational just sitting there. And the passage we're looking at this morning is when Jesus walked uh, on the water... And in the story here, Jesus dismissed the crowds and it was immediately following the feeding of the 5,000. And so there was a lot of excitement amongst the people and they were wanting to get Jesus and raise him up to become uh, the king there. And so Jesus had to do something to uh, quickly to defuse the situation. So he put the disciples in a boat. And he pushed them off, sent them off across uh, the the um, sea, and and uh, they didn't really understand what Jesus was doing. And so the fervor that was building up, they were uh, they were still arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And and uh, they it would have just really appealed to them if the people raised Jesus up and uh, had an uprising against the Romans and uh, set Jesus up as the king. And so Jesus had to do something. And so in Matthew chapter fourteen verse twenty-two it says immediately. He did it straight away. Immediately, Jesus could see something was happening. Uh, he made the disciples uh, get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. And while he dismissed the crowd, he said, come on, we've got to get out of here, get you guys out of here. And so the disciples go sailing across the lake without Jesus. And uh, I've, I've been to the Sea of Galilee, and it's it's not very big. That's about half the size of Lake Taupo, and, uh, but it can get really rough. And... Uh, what you've got is you've, you've got sort of volcanic uh, area where the lake is, and so the, the hills go steep up the side. And so you, you can get the cold wind that comes down uh, the hills and hits the warm air of the lake and can get very, very rough, very dangerous. And this is what happened in this particular situation. You can get caught out by it. So I want us just to take a few lessons out of this story here this morning. The first thing I want to suggest to you is this, is that out of sight does not mean out of mind. You may feel that you're out of sight of God, uh, but you were not out of his mind. And uh, he's still thinking of you. Look at that verse 23. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. And so here was the situation where he had dismissed them. He had put them in a boat, sent them across a a lake. They came into a storm that was so bad that they were fearing for their lives. They were making no progress. And you'd ask, were they in the will of God? Most definitely. Most definitely. Why did Jesus send them into a storm then? Like, doesn't he know everything? Why allow such a terrible thing to happen to them? Surely he could have prevented this from happening. Often we feel like this, don't we? When bad things happen to us, when we have storms of life that come and seem to hit us. And, and, you know, why God, who's supposed to know everything, why does God allow this to happen to us? And sometimes, you know, things just don't seem to add up in life. And this storm came, uh, they were right in the center of the will of God. Not like the storm that came into Jonah's life. Remember the storm that came into Jonah's life? He was running away from the will of God. And Jesus was not uh, with them in the boat, but he was aware of their problem and he was no doubt praying for them. Romans chapter eight and verse 34 says this, Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. This is the ministry of Jesus. He is praying for us. If you knew that Jesus was in the next room praying for you, when you were going through some difficult situations, when you're going through some storms in your life, wouldn't you feel much more comfortable? Wouldn't you feel much more confident if you knew that Jesus was in the room next to you praying for you well he's not in the room praying next to you but he is in heaven the bible says that he is interceding for you he sees your need he sees you, your situation he is in control of that situation and then the verse goes on to say uh this verse that talks about jesus interceding for us the very next verse goes on to and says this who shall separate us from the love of christ Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, when we are moving in the will of God, we may not be aware of the Lord's promise, uh, pre, uh, uh, the Lord's presence, I get it out, but He is aware of us. Yeah. He is aware of us and He is praying for us, the Word of God says. Yeah. The, th- the second thing I want to suggest to you this morning is this. Sec- that our security is not in our circumstances. Aww. Our security is not in our circumstances. Look at verse 24, it says, But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. We must never judge our security on basis of our circumstances alone. See, remember, Jesus had previously tested them in a storm when he was in the boat. Remember the story when Jesus was in the boat, he was asleep in the boat, the storm came up, and the disciples, they panicked, they thought they were going to drown, so they woke Jesus up, and uh, he tested them while he was in the boat. Now he tests them when he is outside of the boat. So another storm comes. The first storm that came was really short and sharp. It hit them. They panicked. They woke Jesus up. He said, be still, and it became calm. This storm seemed to go on for ages. This story here at 3 o'clock in the morning, they had been eight hours in this boat in the middle of a storm. They had only gone a few kilometers See, there are two kinds of storms that God brings into our lives. The first kind of storm that God brings into our life is a storm of correction, a storm of correction. These storms come into our life when God is trying to discipline us. So like with Jonah, remember Jonah, he's running away from the call of God. He gets into this boat, the storm comes, and from then on, everything that happens in his life is like downhill. He He goes down to Joppa. He goes down into a boat. He goes down into the hull of the boat and he falls asleep. Then we find what happens is that the storm comes. He says to the people, he says, pick me up and throw me into the sea and then the sea will become calm for you because I know that this great tempest is because of me. And so he he gets thrown down into the water. He gets swallowed down into the belly of a big fish. And finally, he prays to God. When he prays, then He starts to come up again. The Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah on dry land, and he finally came up. He is probably covered in vomit, covered in seaweed. His skin would have been bleached, been three days in this belly of this fish with all the enzymes trying to suck in all the life out of his skin. You kind of imagine when he finally went to Nineveh and preached the gospel, no wonder they got saved. Man, you've You would get saved if somebody stood up with their bleach by the belly of a fish for three days. Man, no wonder they got saved. But the problem was not the storm. The problem was Jonah was running away from the will of God and God brought discipline into his life because he needed to be corrected. Don't run from the call of God. Run to the call of God if you want God's blessing. And then secondly, there are storms of perfection. See, these are storms where God comes and he works stuff in our life to help us to grow. The disciples were in the storm because they had obeyed the Lord, but God used it to perfect them. God used it to teach them some lessons about faith. And and he was teaching the disciples by taking away the props around their life. You know what we do? We put a whole lot of props around our life. To try and have security. So we want to have a little bit of money in the bank. We want to have some friends around us. We want to have some family close by. And we want to have security, maybe of a job or whatever. And so we put all of these props around our life to hold us up so that we trust in the props and we're not trusting in God. God comes along and he just lost a friend. My job's gone, you know. Money disappears out of the bank. You know, one by one, God kicks the props away from our life and so that we're no longer dependent upon things, but our security uh, is in him alone. And so they're out in the storm and their boat was sinking. A boat is a fisherman's security. See, no one else around to help him, And either God comes through or they sink. Have you yeah. been in a situation like that? You know, we need to remember that they were safer in the storm, in the will of God, than if they had been on the dry land out of the will of God. They were safer in the storm. See, many Christians have this mistaken idea that uh, obedience to God will just produce like sa- smooth sailing in life. Become a Christian, everything will work out just great. It's not true. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. See, when we find ourselves in a storm, when we've obeyed the Lord, we we need to remember that he has brought us there. He will care for us. It is the safest place that we could be. See, you cannot always speak a storm away. Yeah. Jesus did it twice. Wind, be still. <laughs> Everything was still. Paul gets into a boat and a storm comes. And, and he, why didn't he just speak to it? He'd say, storm, just go away, you know. You cannot always speak a storm away. How many have tried it? You know, Satan, out of here. You know, get behind me, Satan. Nothing happens. It just stays exactly the same. You're in the same trouble. We've probably all tried it. You know, sometimes God takes the storm away. Sometimes he doesn't. Instead of the calm and seas, for Paul, when he is in a storm, God just promised one that no lives would be lost, but the ship would be lost and the cargo would be lost. Sometimes there's a loss of things but there's never a loss of the presence of God. He is always there. Third thing I want to suggest out of this passage is that storms can be a staircase to heaven. Storms can be a staircase to heaven. It says in verse 25, it says, During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage at his don't be afraid. And imagine the disciples, they're sitting in this boat, they're frightened, they're in a storm, and look out, you know, and they see this ghost walking on the water. This is his worst nightmare. This is Davy Jones coming to take them back. You know, this is their worst nightmare. They blink, wipe it, they blink. They think it's a ghost. They didn't recognize that it was Jesus walking on the water. See, so why did they fear this person coming that was walking on the water? Why? The reason why was they were not expecting Jesus. They were not looking for Jesus. You know, they, 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 if they had been waiting in faith, if they had been expecting Jesus to move or to come in some way, they would have been looking for him. Instead, they thought that this figure that was coming towards them was a ghost. See, faith and fear cannot live in the same heart fear always blinds our eyes to the presence of the Lord when we're in a storm Jesus is not only praying for us he will come to us he will meet us in our place of need Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2 says when you pass through the waters I will be with you We need to be looking for him. We need to be looking for his deliverance. We need to be uh, looking for his presence. He's praying for us. He's watching out for us. He'll deliver us in his own time and in his own way. You kind of ask, why did Jesus walk on water? I think, why did he do this? Like, this was a setup. He put the disciples in a boat and sent them off on their own, and then he disappears up a mountain to pray. Like, he set them up. He would have called the storm to come as well, you know, so he gave them that as well as added bonus, you know, out in the boat and the storm comes. And you kind of ask, why did he do it? I believe it was to show the disciples that the very thing that they feared, the sea, was only a staircase for him to walk upon to come to them. Rough water, calm water is no problem to him. See, the day was coming when he was going to leave them and and they would have to face all kinds of storms in their life and they would have to learn to trust him even though he physically wasn't there with them and uh, maybe some of the times it would feel like he didn't even care but they had to learn to trust him. See, the very thing that you fear, the very thing that you're worried about, the very thing is like a storm that may be in your life right now Is not a problem to Jesus. He just walks upon the top of it. It's under his feet. Someone says to you, you know, how are you? Well, I'm all right under the circumstances. Don't live under the circumstances. Live on top of the circumstances. You know, walk on top of the storm. See, often we fear the difficulties of life only to discover that these experiences actually bring us closer to Jesus. They become a staircase to heaven. Verse 28, Lord, is it you? Peter replied, let me come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. This is a great story. Like, no matter how you look at it, it's very hard to get any sort of spiritual meaning out of this. Like, what was the point of Peter walking on the water? <laughs> There's, there's, I can't think of any spiritual m- meaning for it. It was just like just for the fun of it. Yes. Just go and have a go, Peter. And Jesus was happy to encourage him. Yeah, come on, get out of the boat and have a go. You know, it's fun. Wouldn't you like to have a go? It'd be so much fun, wouldn't it, walking on water? You know, no, it'd be a bit boring if it was calm, but if it was rough, it'd be, it'd be up and down. Wouldn't it it'd be like surfing, barefoot skiing? You know, it'd be great. What a great experience. See, Peter tended to be a little bit impulsive. Sometimes he said rash things. Sometimes he, he, like, he even took a sword out one time and chopped a man's ear off. He, like, he tended to be a little bit impulsive at different times. But some of you are like Peter. Yeah. You know? Some of you go where angels don't, wouldn't dare to tread. But <laughs> like you have a good idea, you think of some new thing, and next thing you're off running after it, and, yeah. and uh, you know, like, you're just uh, going for it, and, and uh, you don't really think about it, you know. I kind of wonder how many here have done a bungee jump. There's a few, eh? I think Peter would have done a bungee jump. M- not me. I think why jump off a why jump off a perfectly good bridge, you know, like it's crazy, eh? But let me tell you, God can use people like you. It's much harder to warm up a corpse than it is to hose down a fanatic. Yeah. So the whole purpose of the storm was to help the disciples to grow in their faith. It's easy to sit in a boat and judge what someone else is doing. I can't imagine the other disciples. You know, I've always had boats. All my life I've had boats. I love fishing and boating. But I don't like people trying to get in and out of the boat when the water's rough. Go on, you idiot. Stop it. You know, you can, you'll put us all in the water. You know, come on. I can imagine the disciples, get back in the boat, Peter, you stupid fool. You know, you'll have us all sinking in the water, you know. But Peter got out and walked on water. Apart from Jesus, I don't know of anyone else that's yes, ever walked on water. He just had to go. Yeah. There's a big lesson for us here. Because as long as Peter was believing, he walked an impossible walk on water. On water. But when he allowed the circumstances and uh, begin to affect him, then he found that all sorts of fears and doubts began to come into his life. The word doubt here carries the meaning of standing uncertainty at two ways. Peter started out with great faith, and he ended up with little faith because he was looking at two ways instead of one way. Verse 30 says, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, and cried out, Lord, save me. The book of James tells us that a double-minded man will receive nothing from the Lord. So what caused Peter to sink? His faith began to waver when he took his eyes off the Lord and began to look at the circumstances that were around about him. Isn't that true? When we stop looking to Jesus, when we start to look at the problems, we start to look at the needs, start to look at the disappointments, start to look at the waves and the storms and the struggles that are around us, they start to consume us. We begin to believe that the storm will swamp us rather than believe that faith in God will enable us to walk on the water. Peter started to go under. But at least Peter was smart enough to cry out to the Lord. Verse 31, it says, Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat and the wind died down, it says, then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, they were all believers then, weren't they? (laughs) All these doubters that were sitting in the boat, even doubting Thomas, you know, they all became believers then. They all worshipped him saying, truly you are the son of God. Musicians like, like to come up now. You know, storms of life are not easy, are they? But they are necessary. They are necessary. They teach us to trust in Jesus alone, no matter what the circumstances may be. You know, Peter was going under, but he fixed his eyes upon Jesus again and he started to walk on water. He reached out and took the hand of Jesus and he started to walk on water again. John Brevere tells the story about a number of years ago when his sons were small and, and they lived in the United States in the central part where there was no ocean. And so he took his, his sons out to the edge of the Atlantic Ocean and got them to gaze out at the Atlantic Ocean. He said to them, you see this ocean, he said. It goes for thousands and thousands of miles. The boys looked at it. wow, you know, that's amazing. They'd never seen the ocean before. Then he said to them, this isn't the biggest ocean. There's even a bigger one, the Pacific Ocean, and there are others beside. The boys just sort of nodded in silence. You know, they grasped something of the overwhelming amount of water that their father was talking about. And then he said, Boys, do you know that God weighed all the waters that you see? All that I have described, God weighed it all in the palm of his hand. And you know what the Bible says? He said, Do you know what the Bible says about how great God is? The Bible says that God can measure the universe with the span of his hand. From the tip of your thumb to your little pinky there, God can measure the universe. Even the winds and the wave obey him. Have faith in God. You may be facing some terrible storm right now. You may feel like you're just about to go under. You may feel like you're sinking. I really just want to encourage you this morning, just reach out like Peter did and take again the hand of Jesus. There was a man called Thomas Dorsey and he lost his wife and his son and, and childbirth and he, he had terrible grief and he sat down and he wrote a, wrote a hymn, and he wrote this song called Precious Lord. Precious Lord, take my hand. Precious Lord, take my hand. Maybe today you need to reach out and just to take the hand of Jesus again. Just as the team just ministered to us and sing this beautiful song to us, I just want to encourage you where you are, wherever in your seat, or wherever you want to come and make the the front and altar or whatever it is, but if you're facing a storm today, you're facing some real difficulty, just to reach out and take the hand of Jesus again. Amen.